0: guys, and welcome back to episode 9 of the Mentipad podcast. We've had to stay away for a while due to personal engagements, but now we're back to work and we have some of the most inspiring stories lined up in the coming weeks for you. Our guest for today is Shatakshi Sharma. She is a co-founder of Global Governance Initiative and is also a management consultant at Boston Consulting Group, one of the big three consulting companies in the world. Shatakshi did her education at the widely renowned St. Stephen's in New Delhi and went on to do her MBA at the Indian School of Business, Hyderabad. From there, she had the opportunity to do an exchange semester in Boston at Harvard Business and Fletcher School. Since then, she has worked as an advisor to the government of India. She started Global Governance Initiative in 2018 with a dream to reimagine and rebuild higher education on impact topics. To embrace youth and women in India and globally through interactive agile boot camps on important sectors that involve critical reasoning, structured communication and soft skills like networking. The co-founder's vision is to democratize practical education through young globally accomplished practitioners and unlock the potential of the youth at the grassroots level. In the episode, she talks about the impact she strives to do with her initiative, how to better manage stress, and also how to better manage to land a job in the current world COVID scenario. Without further ado, let's get on with the episode. And as always, we hope you have a great listen. Hey, Shitaakshi, welcome to the show. A pleasure to have you here.
1: Perfect. Thanks, Khalil. Uh, It's an honor, and I'm so glad that uh, you are doing such fantastic things uh, during and after your graduation. So great stuff. Congratulations for this great venture of yours.
0: Thank you so much. So um, I think a great place to start would be like uh, to talk about your core beliefs and the upbringing which led you to who you are today.
1: Sure. Sure. So I would say, uh, Khalil, there are two things that are at the heart of whatever I do personally. And in a way, they are the value systems that I have uh, kind of picked up from my parents. Mm -hmm. So the two core beliefs are courage and respect, respect slash empathy, whatever you may want to call it. Mm -hmm. So when I was growing up, of course, this is one thing that I picked up from my father is courage. Having the ability to call a spade a spade, of course, in a mature and professional fashion. Uh, Taking a stand not only for yourself, but for people around you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's definitely one thing that I have done in the past and I continue to do it in personal and professional life. That's one. And uh, second definitely would be empathy. Something that I have naturally picked from my mother. Uh, The kind of kindness she has had not only for her own children, but for people beyond her family members and closed ones. So I think it definitely comes naturally to me if, uh, yeah. And in a way GGI was also an extension or so, if I were to say a culmination of both the attributes or core beliefs of being very courageous and at the same time having a heart for others and being very empathetic. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's a great background. And yeah. uh, so, where do you think uh, the intersection of passion and impact lie in? You know, just like you mentioned with your background and with what you've done, are are you are currently doing with GGI? So,
2: right.
0: where do you think that holds?
1: Sure. Uh, so, Khalil, I think what is really important to understand is how do you define impact? I think there is so much buzz and so much conversations that are going around the word impact. To be very honest, I think right from amazing Uh, at a construction site to you doing this podcast to me being at BCG at the same time when I started GGI at ISB uh, to frankly a fisherman. All of it is impact, right? Mm -hmm. Now the next question is, are you passionate to do so or not? So -hmm. that's really important. So, and I would not label something as passion and not label the other one as not passion. Uh, Especially at BCG I see many people really putting their heart and soul to what they do. For them, it may be passion. To be very honest, I really enjoy my work as well at BCG, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the easier answer is to be very binary and call or label something as passion and something as not passion. So the answer really lies with the individual. So Mm -hmm. if I were to really take a step back and come back to the answer, I think everything can create impact. So the Mm -hmm. intersection of passion and impact, I would say the one parameter of impact can be created in anything and everything. But when you talk about passion, I would not label X as passion and Y as not passion. It really depends. Uh, You can create an impact outside of your passion, with passion, so on and so forth. So I think the answer is very, very qualitative and subjective.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Then very quantitative uh, would be my view on that one.
0: Right, definitely. Because I think everybody has their own... uh... Uh, perception as to what their passion might be impactful against right
1: absolutely
0: right um so uh, here, uh, coming to the main deal uh coming to ggi sure. so uh what makes ggi unique to you you know like when you came up with the idea when you thought like this was required what what right. uh, can you can you give us like a bit of background there
1: sure definitely so i would say two things again uh usually founders should
0: uh
1: put their hands or make their hands dirty in a business that they understand or at least they are good at. So one good thing that I understood about myself at ISB was because uh, at ISB or at any B school you are really pushed to speak up in the class not that I've anyway had any problems of speaking up but I was always very very mindful at ISB to contribute or make a point only when I had a point to make and then always articulate it in a fashion that is valuable to others as well as to the professor in the class that uh, thing actually really nudged me to think if i can get into education sector and contribute through my skill sets to people around us especially the youngsters so that's definitely the starting point for ggi when i was in that classroom at isb eventually at fletcher and also at harvard i realized that these are certain really niche institutes but many mm-hmm. people do not have their gates, uh, do not have their foot inside those gates. So why don't we create such ecosystems, especially for Indian and global youth? So that's point number one. Mm-hmm. I think point number two in terms of how or why GJ is really unique is the is at the essence of soft skills, to be very honest. And I think that something has kind of become very obvious to you, me and everyone in India and outside that the education system is becoming really, really obsolete, right. right? What you studied in engineering or what I studied at St. Stephen's, unfortunately 80 to 90 percentage of that really doesn't help us in terms of what we do in our job day in and day out. And yep. many people are innovating because there is a problem, there are opportunities, and then there are people like you and me who are solving that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we definitely rely, starting from policy consulting to now impact startup, and now we're expanding, uh, Naman is also expanding in a lot of other areas that soft skills at the heart of it is absolutely not taught at all in the Indian education system, especially the undergrads. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that is why we are really, really unique in terms of what we have to offer. If uh, I don't want to quote players out there, there are a lot of fantastic ed tech players out there. Uh, They are actually focusing a lot on hard tech or um, AI, machine learning, so on and so forth. But the real soft skills, they are actually the skills uh, that lead you to become successful in life are unfortunately not taught at all. So that's why, it, that's why GGI is pretty unique in the entire education ecosystem. So that's my personal answer to how GGI was started at ISP. And of course, the second answer is related to the soft skills
0: part. Right. Uh, just like you mentioned, uh, the soft skills are part. Uh, you know, like how the real world problem comes about and, you know, the whole classroom experience it's like uh, whatever is obsolete right now. Right. So I think using that uh, in the form of soft skills also works, right? Yeah. Great. Um. So, okay. How about this? Uh, millions of college graduates, you know, they, they lack employable skills, right? So right. what's your take on that? I really wanted to know.
1: Sure, definitely. So Khalil, I think the oversimplified view of mine as a co-founder could be, and I can make this argument very simple, oh, they don't have the soft skills. I don't think that's, that's the right view on this and that's the oversimplified and convenient view that I can throw as an answer. But the situation is pretty complex, right? In every situation, there is a supply and there is a demand. The Mm. demand on the jobs has been exponentially increasing with the population that has ballooned up in this country. But on the other side, the supply has not been increasing proportionately. At the same time, we're actually uh, automizing a lot of stuff, uh, what uh, an engineer would quote 10 years ago is probably being uh, automated right now. So the jobs are actually decreasing on that front. So definitely uh, supply side is something that we will have to definitely talk about. Because even if you end up if like imagine this, if there are 100 people who have to be employed, if I upskill all 100 of them, but eventually the jobs are only 50. Then the left 50, even so, even though they are the best people in the lot or the better people in the lot, they will eventually not get the job. So supply mm-hmm. side is definitely we will have to solve. That's point number one. Uh, point number two on the demand side, to every underskilled person or professional, there are two sides to the coin, right? One is the soft skill side that we are catering towards. Mm-hmm. The second is the hard skill side, uh, which is about really picking up the uh, up, Upcoming languages and I'm talking about engineering, for example, here. And of course, there are a lot of profiles, commerce, arts, so on and so forth. Hmm. So they really have to pick up. Um, This is one conversation that I ended up having with a VC who is actually kind of an advisor to us at GGI in Davos. And he he's actually a Stanford MBA graduate and he went to Stanford uh, and he was having a conversation with a bunch of computer science kids at Stanford. Right. We're talking Mm -hmm. of Stanford computer science kids, almost the best of the lot in in the the world. And they are saying that we are fearful that the language, the coding language that we will pick up and learn and graduate with will not be relevant in the coming three years, right? Mm-hmm. That's the fear that they have. And it's actually a real fear in the mm-hmm. tech industry. So what I'm basically coming to the point is you really need to be learning throughout your life. That's the attitude we need to have. So gone are the days where you would just graduate and you think, Oh my God, I'm done with education for life. No, not at all. Um, as a founder, I'm continuously upskilling myself, even though I graduated like what, one, one year ago, Mm-hmm. So that kind of mindset change is really needed. So that's mm-hmm. a little longish answer to your short question. But the problem is actually pretty complex. I've not even touched upon the supply side mm-hmm. because, uh, of course, the bigger ecosystem government also has a major role to play on that front, of course, has, has a role to play on the demand side as well. But right. that's my uh, take on the entire uh, unemployment that is happening with a lot of youth, especially in India.
0: Right now, uh, I, I feel that too because I feel um, uh, you should constantly be upskilling yourself. Otherwise, you know, because you know, everything's changing at a tremendous range, uh, like range. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, like, I think like six months back, we wouldn't have thought like COVID-19 would be a big, uh, a whole pandemic, right, in itself. Yeah. But right now you're seeing uh, an, a surge of other startups in, you know, industries as well.
1: Absolutely. And if I were to really, I I really like what you're saying, Khalil, right, there is actually Hmm. one key component of mindset, even if you're the best in the lot, but you're not able to cope up with the uncertainty and you're not able to cope up with the agility of the system, you really have to pivot not only in terms of your job, but in terms of your skill set. Most of the startups, most of the companies are demanding really different skills altogether during this COVID time. So that is the perseverance, the agility, the resilience skills come from. And these are frankly not skills that you can teach. They're not even hard skills or soft skills per se. They're Mm -hmm. mindset, right? They are things that... uh, in my view, a lot of it you pick up from your uh, childhood or your ecosystem and mm-hmm. they really define what will be your journey from there on. So definitely that's one area that defines how uh, well employed you will be and if you, you will be able to retain or not. Um, and that's different ballgame altogether. Pretty, those are called life hacks to be very honest, Not not taught in any school altogether.
0: Right, right. Because yeah, I think uh, the environment has a big role to play. Like when you grow up, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Great. Um, So uh, coming to uh, what you do at GGI, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the startup policy consulting masterclass?
1: Sure. And uh, definitely that's the one which is the most prestigious and the renowned one we have in uh, GGI. So the story goes like this. Um, Back in 2016, both Naman and I were government of India advisors doing pretty well, learning on the job. Our bosses were 50, 60 year old and both on the client side as well as in the government side. And we were really fortunate and we were learning. But that's when both Naman and I thought, okay, we are able to do this at the age of 26 or 25, but many people in this country are not really able to do so. Why? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, A, people do not have the skill set to make into public policy consulting, and B, people do not have the awareness about such opportunities. Uh, right. Unfortunately, when many people want to join public policy, maximum of them that they think is options like UPSC. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it's not the right option, but what mm-hmm. I'm saying is... I mean, majorly,
0: it's, it's gone to that, yeah.
1: Absolutely, because people don't know that there are other opportunities, right? Many a times you would may want to experiment and you may not like it. You may fall in love with it. It can fall either way. So that's when uh, when I was at ISB, uh, had my BCG offer. I remember after two days when the entire campus was parting with the job offers. Here mm-hmm. I was in my quad room starting uh, GGI with uh, uh-huh. Naman. Of course, Naman was in uh, Delhi at that time. Right. And uh, we started this uh, idea through the bootcamp model, which we call masterclass. Mm-hmm. So now coming to the point, it's a 12-hour policy consulting masterclass. We have actually touched upon a lot of lives. We're talking in hundreds lo- now, and they're not taught through some AI m- machine learning program. They are taught individually, personally mm-hmm. by me. So that's right. really one of the most fulfilling things we have done. Uh, we get speakers across the globe, people who have gra- the, the speakers themselves have graduated from Harvard, Yale, NCR, the list goes on. They have worked at fantastic institutions, of course, Government of India, United Nations, so on and so forth. And they personally put their time, shared their time with the youth of this country. And of course, we have done these masterclasses globally as well in Harvard and HSE. Mm -hmm. But, uh, of course, and now we are not only limited to policy consulting, we realize that similar issues lie with multiple other sectors, like you yourself were part of a startup, impact startup masterclass.
0: Right, right. Which is amazing, by the way.
1: I'm glad that you liked it. And I'm so glad you're taking it forward. Uh, uh, So, it really fills my heart with pride. So, we selected the right people and (laughs) they are passionate to take this forward. So yeah, of course, that has, that has been our journey. And to be very honest, we have just started, Uh, we get a lot of good overwhelming response. But every time we sit back and tell ourselves, this is just the starting, it's humbling, it's very humbling. But Mm -hmm. uh, we have a way, way bigger battle and bigger journey ahead. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you think uh, when uh, you get overwhelming responses right like for like how do you keep going like i want to know that in, in the mind of an entrepreneur like you
1: sure uh to be very honest i think uh, two things khalil i think the first one is being very very humbled and i'll be honest i remember the first masterclass that we did in delhi university in january 2019 in the winters and so many people turned up the first time we realized that the thought that had you had in your brain, right? Your brainchild has actually worked. People mm-hmm. turned up. People spent the entire day, and our drop rates are shockingly, really, really low, uh, which okay. is actually contrary to what a tech happens like uh, in usually a tech. After every minute or so, people start dropping off. Right, but are right. uh, of course, so all those technicalities remain. I still remember that day very vividly. Both Taman and I have very fond memories of that day, and what we really remind, so that's the first one, that Mm -hmm. fondness, that humbleness, that you're coming back to the ecosystem where you started with almost 10 years ago, is respectable to the idea you have, is respectable for your time and for your speaker's time, that's definitely there. Mm -hmm. The second thing is really managing all of those expectations. So as and when we have grown, uh, what was what was 30 or 40 in Delhi University in Hindu College in January 2019 hmm. is almost like 600 or 700 today. Oh. And that is the level of uh, personal engagements that Naman and I are managing. So, and that is the, the path or the chart where we have to be very responsible. So if you as Khalil will reach out to me, I have to respond to you, not because I have a personal bond with you or a personal perspective, because in a way, I have that responsibility towards you Mm -hmm. to come back to me or 600 people come back to me with an expectation, with certain uh, respect for me. So Mm -hmm. while it has been overwhelming from humbling perspective, or uh, making us feel at the same time, we have certain responsibilities towards all the people who have been getting attached to us. And we have always maintained that even if you have uh, the masterclass is done, the journey is done, not done. And you are a live example of that. All uh-huh. our TJ family, we do not treat them like customers, customers, even though, of course, it's a social impact venture, but now everyone is part of the family and we treat them like family.
0: Yeah. I think that's great because you, especially the alumni network you have, because maybe like two people converging on the same idea could probably start something that they never thought could happen.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Correct.
0: Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, all of this like was seemingly overwhelming and you had to manage. How is the managing between your corporate uh, career like right now at BCG and all of this coming together?
1: Sure, sure. So I think before I get into that, one thing is definitely for sure, uh, Naman is the one who is majorly running the show, especially because it's pretty hard to be uh, really managing a startup while doing a, pursuing a career like BCG. Right. So I remember when I was at ISP, Naman was uh, pursuing his job. It was I who picked up the baton and took up a lead on this entire show and did the end to end. Today, when I have a full-time job, Naman is driving the majority of the show. So that's mm-hmm. point number one. Point number two, uh, whatsoever minuscule I'm able to contribute today goes back uh, to a lot of planning and multitasking capabilities that I specially developed at ISB. It's something mm-hmm. that B school will never teach you, but B school will actually push you towards a wall and you will actually force yourself to become very, very meticulous planner and really execute it beautifully.
0: I think so, ISB ISB gives like an edge over the other B schools, I guess, in that respect, is it?
1: In a way, because it's a one year program. Right, right. So your peers who are in U USB school, by end of let's say five months, they might be finishing accounting. But by end of fifth month, you must have finished accounting, strategy, corporate finance, marketing, (laughs) all the core courses. So you're literally breathing and eating your B-School curriculum. Mm. Uh, So that really pushes you towards the wall. And as a personal, I'm someone who will never only do one thing at a time Mm. Uh, because that's just not me. So I remember the idea GJ had actually started when I had entered into ISP, even though I did 80-20. 80% 80% mm. of my time going to the curriculum, 20% to somewhat passively to GGI.
0: Right.
2: So
1: that really helped me to push myself and really meticulously plan myself. And of course, this is one skill that is very, very important and actually is underestimated skill. Okay. People do not spend a lot of time planning. And the most important complaint or crape that I hear from people is, Shadakshi, how are you able to do so? I'm not able to do so. Frankly, I'm able to do so just because I'm a meticulous planner and this is something that can be picked up by any person. It's uh-huh. the power of habits, right? What I'm talking right, about is right, power right. of habits. Yeah. Uh, every Sunday, I will sit and think that these are the three things that I want to achieve in the coming week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Any Monday, any Tuesday, I will know these are the three things that I want to achieve. If right. there is a fourth line item, then there's a saying, if you have more than three priorities, you do not have a priority.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Right?
1: That's actually true. If you're saying right. that you want to achieve 10 list line items and by the end of the day, you're just finished four, you you're bound to feel bad.
0: Mm. But if
1: you really plan your week in advance, plan your month in advance, plan your year in advance, that's the level of planning I'm talking about. And of mm. course, you will fail, right? Mm. Your plan mm. will fail. But it's 80% there. Uh, that's actually one of the strengths that I've built and actually one of the weaknesses that I have if I were to be very, very candid in this podcast. Um mm-hmm. uh, if I you're, have you're, a plan, you're
0: very well welcome to do, be that. <laughs> it's fine. So Yeah,
1: and of course, um, what I'm saying is if I don't have a plan, oh my God, my world will start crumbling. <laughs> but uh, whatever I've been able to achieve, whatever small that is, is primarily mm. because I'm a very, very meticulous planned person. And the reason I'm explicitly putting it out there, whosoever is listening to even 10% of that, them, if they can pick that up, mm-hmm. I think my job is well done on this. Fulfilled. Show. Yes, yeah, absolutely. definitely.
0: Because yeah, I mean, you think uh, planning's boring and all of that, but I think it really makes a difference at the end.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Because you you know it's coming, and that's what the planning does. Yes. And if yes. you don't know, if you're not planning it out, then you don't know whether it'll happen or not. You don't have the f- faintest idea. So that's but what I feel about it.
1: At the same time, you yeah. know what you don't, you can't do. Right, right. right. Many a times people get overwhelmed and anxious because they think that they're missing out on things but they don't know what are the line items they're missing out. <laughs> Say 500 priorities, I know what are the exact 90 I have not picked up, right? Uh-huh. Then my anxiety levels are down, then my calmness is there because I know what is it that I'm not signing up for. Uh-huh. So, uh, of course, I think and I, I know I'm repeating from at the same time uh, point again and again. Uh, I really wish if this could be really... <laughs> harped upon more because this is not taught i'm not even sure this it's is not
0: taught teachable i don't think it's taught yeah it's not yeah. teachable you have to take a personal stance at it i guess
1: absolutely at absolutely. least
0: try it out you know yeah
1: correct bang on so,
0: yeah coming to you just mentioned anxiety right so <laughs> tell me how tell me how uh, planning and anxiety goes for you because i think whoever's listening you know obviously yeah. everybody goes through that phase you don't know Especially yeah. during a time like this, because uh, 2020 graduates, people, yeah. including me, you know, we don't know what's going to come after this. You know, we are very uncertain as to yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. And so what's your point? Uh, what's your view on that? I wanted to know. Yeah,
1: this is very, very valid, though, to be very honest, Khalil, I'm glad you brought it out. Uh, people who have been associated with my journey early on, and those people are mostly friends and family known that. I have actually struggled through anxiety uh, issues and I very well manage them today. Uh, Back in 2013, 14 was when I was diagnosed with migraine, primarily because I couldn't really cope up with the stress of a boutique management consulting job uh, right after college. But of Mm -hmm. course, it's been seven years, uh, so on and so forth. Anyhow, long story short. Mm Anxiety is very well there. I think it's there with every one of us. So If Mm. somebody says that I have zero anxiety, I think I'm not going to buy that argument. (laughs) The most important point is how are you managing that anxiety, Mm. right? So, uh, of course, this conversation is going little meta, so let me divide it like this. The first meta point is people want to avoid anxiety. Mm. And that has been my uh, relationship with anxiety and I know I'm using a very strong word, people fail to understand that it will be there. What you need to understand it is like, it's like a a rainy cloud. It will come, it will stay there, it will pass. You have to just observe it. You have Mm -hmm. to maintain that relationship. You really need to be aware that you're having anxiety. So I think first and foremost thing, have that self-awareness that you have anxiety. (laughs) This is God I've met so many people who have anxiety issues absolutely zero awareness that they have anxiety because you can't solve something if you don't know that you have that thing. Uh So when you start really realizing that you have anxiety, that's when you start understanding that relationship. I'm an avid practitioner of meditation. I meditate very frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, Irrespective of me having that anxiety or not, people really don't focus on their mental health as much as physical health, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I really wish I could change that about about the ecosystem, it's Mm -hmm. like a precaution. Once you will, uh, I've never been depressed, but I've met people who are unfortunately depressed. Why do you want to come to the brink of a situation when you're depressed and then solve it for yourself? It's like bathing, right? Why do you want to smell Uh and then bathe? (laughs) Like solve it beforehand, right? So that's the meta conversation. The Mm. second part is about the unique situation that all of us are in, right? Especially Mm -hmm. the 2020 graduates. I think, uh, Khalil, I will go back to the point of planning. And I know I'm coming back to the point, but there is a nuance to it. No, no, I go ahead. People fail miserably in planning a plan B.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's really, really important that they should do so. And let me help you explain why and how am I saying so. Okay. People get anxiety because they don't know what will happen if my plan A fails. So they really like shrink themselves up Uh, don't share their emotions and feel, oh my God, my world is going to crumble because, um, for example, I want to go into McKinsey, but McKinsey is not hiring in such good numbers. I'm getting the anxiety. That's why you get anxiety, right? When Mm -hmm. you're focusing on plan A, you have probably worked a little bit towards it, but the world, the macroeconomic or the external factors are changing. Mm -hmm. What people don't do is they do not make plan B, C, D. And I know I'm I, I'm having a very, very meticulous approach towards it going really me- in a mechanized way, but mm-hmm. it really helps you to reduce your anxiety level. When you say that, and I know I'm taking a hypothetical example, okay, yeah. if McKinsey is not going to work for me, let me think of break down the problem into three fashion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Number one is management consulting. Number two is let's say program management or project management. Number three is let's say product. If McKinsey doesn't work out for me, I will definitely apply for deloitte eny kpmgs of the world right mm, that's right. part of your plan b and you work towards it of course right if you have monday tuesday wednesday till friday out of seven days you will give four days to prepare towards McKinsey and one day to prepare towards deloitte now your plan b is if management consulting doesn't work because they hire in such short numbers let me try for another liking of mine which may be let's say in uh, product management what google and microsoft does and mm-hmm out of those seven days I will actually prepare myself for another role so what basically doing is you're really defining what is the fallback option and you're hedging your risk by preparing towards it what people fail to do so is they don't define a plan b and b they do not even prepare for that and they land up in in a very very uncertain situation full of anxiety full of uncertainty And full of delusionment, if I were to be very honest. Uh So uh, that's my answer to the entire anxiety that is happening in terms of the meta part. I'm not sure if many people will be, even one percentage would be able to follow. It's something, uh, it's a very active thing to do. But it has helped me reach reach a particular level of calmness in life. Mm -hmm. And that's really important, even though there is a chaos or a storm going on in my head, which is around managing your relationship with anxiety and I'm kind of summarizing the point and the second one is being an ardent planner and also working towards it
0: yeah. I think uh, yeah planning itself reduces the anxiety of sorts yeah because, because otherwise it's like a complicated mess but then Absolutely. if you get like the points in order think...
1: it's a mess otherwise completely agree
0: <laughs> nice great And uh, yeah, coming to GGI again, uh, I also would want to you to, you know, talk a bit about uh, the fellowship program that you have right now. Sure. I heard it's like expanding to different colleges and all, right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. So uh, this question is actually asked us a lot. So Mm -hmm. two things. First of all, uh, we do not take fellows laterally. So Mm -hmm. if you want to become a GGI Fellow, you have to become a GGI Delegate. For you to become a GGI Delegate, you have to get selected into the Masterclass because our curriculum is very, very hectic. Mm -hmm. That's why we want to make sure that you have a high passion for the curriculum as well as the ability to manage it. So that's one short answer in terms of who is eligible for GGI Fellowship. Mm -hmm. The second answer um, to the open-ended question is Uh, We basically mentor, both Naman and I spend some time with the fellows to really nurture and polish and mentor them in terms of whatever their goal may be, specifically starting public policy to now start up, uh, because we have had certain best practices and avoided certain pitfalls in startup. That's that's the tailor-made mentorship that we have for many of our fellows, and as a tailor-made mentorship we have for a lot of people who want to get into public policy consulting.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, that's what GJI Fellow program is.
0: great I think in a nutshell you captured everything of it, the yeah. essence of it. Yeah. But everybody like whoever, you know, goes in touch with you with the whole program i think they're going to get something out of it right absolutely yeah, that's what i believe in too because i can feel that yeah um anyway um yeah i remember because it was so pressured and you know you made us do things you know these activities <laughs> yeah. more yeah. on that later Yeah. Uh, definitely so um coming to mentorship uh, how important do you think the whole mentorship process lies for especially for a person who wants to make an impact you know Be it like a student or a young professional or like someone who's working, who wants to start up something of his own. Hmm. So yeah, where does mentorship lie in that? Do you think, do you think, what do you think?
1: It's a very artsy question. And why do I say that is because Khalil, I think there is no one answer fits all kind of, kind of a question. So to be very honest, I ended up, so three, three. I would divide this into three responses. Again, one, nice. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who don't need mentors
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I I think I like them. They're able to manage it by themselves and that's really commendable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Number two, there are people who find their mentors in their family members. And I think those are the ones who actually end up doing really, really fantastic in their lives. When your father, your Uh, marriage partner when your girlfriend your boyfriend or your best friend is able to mentor you and by mentorship is never that a senior person has to really help you or handhold you to guide the way forward Mm -hmm. it's mostly somebody who is almost your age Uh, that's why we don't really take uh, a lot of senior people so on and so forth Uh, that's I think the ideal way of finding a mentor even Warren Buffet has mentioned that most of the people who ended who Uh, end up finding really fantastic partners end up doing well because their partners tend to be their mentors. That's point number two. Point number three is the kind of mentorship that we have and that's why both Naman and I are really, really particular about the kind of people we take because it's really important that we are able to contribute to them. right? Uh, right? That's very, very critical to the entire scheme of things because if we end up taking somebody under our wings and we feel that we are not able to contribute value, then That person has not failed. Actually, we have failed. Mm. So on that question, the third one is actually the most trickiest one. And that's where I think majority of the people, if I were to do 80-20, 80 percentage kind of fall in the third bracket. Uh, The society is getting very delusioned. People are becoming very, very isolated. Uh, Mm. The ironical part is the social media is picking up so much. And Mm. probably that's the reason people are becoming isolated. People don't talk to their friends, don't talk heart to heart to their family members. And that's actually one of the strongest pillars of our mentorship model. And uh-huh. we just don't do it for the heck of it. We really realize somebody who's 20, 25 really needs to be heard, mm. really needs to understand that it's going to work out really well for them. I think people are just pressuring them so damn much. Mm. Oh my God! What will happen? How? What are you gonna happen? do with your career?
0: All of Absolutely. that?
1: Absolutely. I remember yeah. I was so upset when I was nineteen and Stevens uh, didn't get into McKenzie. And to be very honest, <laughs> hindsight, I think it was the best thing that happened to me that I didn't get uh. into McKenzie when I was nineteen because you end up experimenting. You end mm. up taking some uncharted territories that you had not thought of before. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's that's again, like I said, it's a qualitative answer. So Taman and I really help on the technical front goes without saying but we really focus on the emotional aspects of it Mm. and we really put ourselves in the shoes of the other person trying to understand where are they coming from so we really know each and every delegate but when it comes to fellow we really need to know their background Mm. because if we don't know that we we can't really help on that so of course that's that's the broad answer to the mentorship front but it's a pretty tricky game altogether you Mm. more than the mentee I think uh, both Naman and I are very, very mindful when we take on the role as a mentor, we just don't want to be uh, the mentor. Like so many people on LinkedIn are calling themselves mentor and I'm really, really fearful if they are able to do justice. Mm. That's why I always take as less people as possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and uh, I know that's the story of how GJ fits into the mentorship thing and you had asked a broader question, mm, yeah. but uh, my perspective has been translated into GJ as well.
0: Right. Okay. Because I feel, yeah, you need to know the emotional and the story aspect of the person where he's coming from. That is very important because it yeah. defines everything that comes after that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Because that then there's more connection, right?
1: Yes. Completely agree.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh, so uh, what would be your, this is like, uh, I wanted to ask you for a long time because uh, <laughs> public policy is something that even I didn't know until you, you know, I, you know, met you. Sure. So, uh, what is for like for someone who's interested in like just like UPSC, this is like right. another aspect of it, right? It's it's the governments and you know policy making, economics. Right. So, what do you what is your like uh, message to someone who wants to pursue it? For instance,
1: wow, that's a broad <laughs> broad Again, question. Yep. Yeah. You
0: can you can uh, shorten it if you want. You can specialize in one point. And sure.
1: About. I would say two things very very specifically. Read, <laughs> read a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such an obvious and a cliched point, but you will be so shocked, Khalil. The ability or the, the habit of reading has just gone so sharply down with our entire generation altogether. Just look at your parents and look at us right? And eventually, we are more or less same part of the generation, but the ability or the habit of reading has gone so much down. And when I say reading, it's tailor made to this question, are you really, really diligently reading the newspapers, right? Mm. Are you really diligently reading a lot of opportunities out there? So that's point number one. Point number two is, uh, frankly, the reason why we started GGI was primarily because there were not a lot of platforms through which people could get an entry point into policy. Mm. So, uh, I without at the expense of sounding uh, or doing little marketing for GGI, mm. uh, I don't have an any other answer but to say that yeah you have uh,
0: to say it <laughs> GGI
1: is actually solving a lot of that uh, picture. So if not come to the masterclass, just feel free to see a lot of good content we have on YouTube about public policy that we have put up uh, so on and so forth. There are some good articles that the team has also put up. Feel free to read that. And of course, there are other players out there, just quick Google search, public policy platforms, public policy training, etc, you should be able to find your path. And again, I would just want to say just don't beat yourself up so much. And that's for the audience. If you're interested, you will find your way sooner or later, sooner Mm. than later. Yeah,
0: I think I think uh, what interests me about uh, public policy is that you can leave a significant social impact, you know,
1: absolutely. It's a very, very macro subject, very macro subject.
0: Because that's what uh, defines the whole the whole idea of a nation, you know, because yeah. we are growing up to be like, you know, the next generation of Indian citizens. So if Absolutely. we decide what's good for us, it's going to be good for us. So...
1: Completely agree. If we don't solve it for the future generations, then mm. we will also leave them with a similar COVID-like circumstances, unfortunately. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I have no comments on that. <laughs> it's all yeah. very broad, yeah. just like you said. Yeah. Uh, okay, so coming to GGI, like, obviously, yeah. right now, it's very well-respected and renowned in the, you know, like, public, public policy space. Right. So, you have any plans, like, later on for the coming future? Maybe, like, uh, talk about the Impact Lab.
1: Sure. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, So, Khalil, I think that's definitely one question that I would want to also have a different answer to and uh, this is specifically targeted to any founder and you yourself as a founder uh, may want to hear this and i think i mentioned this during the masterclass. i uh, i believe that founders are just so anal about future and so anal about expansion that they really miss out on the quality and that's one thing that uh, i really like about amazon for the first initial years they just focused on one thing and did it so brilliantly that uh, they just didn't focus on expansion now look at the kind of expansion they have had and mm. such brilliant expansion right so that's a mm. little different answer to the question but i wanted to harp on that one if you're a few, uh, future founder or a current fresh founder uh, just be mindful of what you're solving and solve it so beautifully Like you said, we are getting that reputation and that prestige. Make sure that it's there and not getting diluted as and when you look to the future. Hold on to the present also very tightly. Mm -hmm. The second thing is definitely about GJ Impact Lab. So we realize that the model that we are in is pretty centralized. So we organize masterclasses. In the previous pre-COVID world, we would go to a lot of colleges on ground, take flights, be in Bombay, be in Bangalore on the weekend, spend time with the youngsters, really help them understand. The second thing is, uh, we wanted to actually make a lot of it decentralized. Uh, mm. What is the change maker program on ground? So that's when we realized okay, uh, there are certain institutes where we are getting a lot of demand and where there is a fit with policy. Uh, and of course, there were a lot of research and math that went into the selection of those institutes. We will hire presidents. And Mm. these presidents will be the leaders of change. And of course, there's a lot of freedom given to the presidents to select their core team member. And what we were actually doing at a centralized level, these leaders of change will actually be the support system on ground to help Mm. us drive in their institutes. Mm. So that's the short answer. Of course, there are a lot of details to it, but Mm -hmm. the broader, if I were to paint with a very broad brush, it's about having a decentralized model of change makers on ground, people who can interact with the students, let them know what is GGI. Uh, many people don't know, uh, like you correctly mentioned, they just know about UPSC, couldn't hear about GGI in last two years. They will help them understand what GGI is and if they're interested, they can also collaborate with us.
0: Right, so that's a start, what, from a starting member point of view, yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, frankly, most of the GGI presidents that we have had so far are actually part of the GGI alumni. And we carefully selected them because somebody who was part of the masterclass will actually be the best flag bearer for us to really help explain. It's not a very easy idea, right? It may be easy from an outside in perspective, but imagine the level of detail you can give to an outside person on what is GGI versus a newbie. If he or she was asked what is GGI, they will not be able to come closer to how you will be able to articulate So that's why we have a preference for GGI alumni, not saying that new people are not welcome. Of course, we are hiring a lot of new people also who have a lot of passion and who have done their homework really well on what is GGI.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a good opportunity for anybody interested in the space. Yes, absolutely. Um, Great that you're putting this forward because I was very inspired by the whole thing, the whole idea of GGI. I'm
1: absolutely glad. Thanks, Khalil.
0: Yeah, so uh, on that note, uh, we come to the end of the very insightful conversation you know, we've <laughs> yeah. been having. So, uh, yeah. Like for now, yeah. uh, thank you so much for your time, Satakshi. and Absolutely. I'm sure that GGI would you know create a much better awareness when it comes to pub- the public p- policy scenario in India. You know?
2: And more,
0: more, I hope that happens because we need we need that happen.
1: Yes, yes. And Khalil, I think my best and heartiest wishes goes to you and your Venture Mentor Pad. I'm so glad what we discussed during the masterclass is actually coming up so live and fresh and I am getting to uh, be part of your venture. So I'm really, really excited. I I really liked your metrics, the qualitative impact that you are doing. So good luck on that. Cheers on that. I'm so glad uh, you have so much energy to take this forward and uh, kudos to you and your team here. Great.